Fox Cat. Hello. Freak out. Welcome to Box Cutters, episode 207. Let's all talk like Tom Waits. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, the man whose voice you always hear first on Box Cutters, Brett Cropley. Evening, viewers. That's do, all I got. Do you hear Brett's voice first? You do. Is he on box the- Cutters. He goes, Box that Cutters. Box That's you. Him. That's him going, Box it was me doing the Tom Waits voice. Oh, I thought it was Tom Waits. No, no, no. He couldn't make it. I did wonder where he went because like Tom Waits was here and then he wasn't. It was really weird. Yeah. Well, he uh, he went to get his piano drunk. Yeah, because that's been drinking. Not him. Not him. Not him. Not him. Not him. Definitely not. Definitely not. Box cutters is all about television. Sometimes we stray, but usually television. In this week, we're going to talk about. A is it, is it new chef from uh, it's it's television too. Oh, Show, yeah. shows on television, not just not just how to make your own cathode ray tube, which would be that's, interesting. That's old technology though. Nobody is really keen no. on that anymore. Uh, now it's what do LCDs taste like? <laughs> Speaking of which, it was the CRTs that uh, were either in the flavour of PAL or NTSC. Now that we have the LCDs, we have SD. And HD. We don't oh, okay. have any so power. No oh, so, so you did you did, you did research based on something we, we talked about last week? Yes. Mm. Wow. Blow me away with well a feather. Yeah. Um, so so you've either got seven hundred and twenty lines or ten twenty lines. Although my no, D- my, my D V D player though still believes in in the difference. Yeah, the, yeah. the discs still come in a in a flavour. Yeah, yeah, the the discs still come in a flavour and uh, and the uh, the signal coming out of a DVD player still comes in in a flavour. But the TV now understands everything. Is that the yeah? The, the TV the, the TV is like a babelfish. Mm. Okay, uh, but uh, but sometimes your DVD is uh, like a, a badly formed uh, palate. Okay, so it just can't talk properly. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I think the food like metaphors work better for us. Like a, like a cleft parrot. I was, I was thinking... Like a cleft parrot. parrot. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot like a cleft parrot. Yes. <laughs> Other cleft parrots we're going to talk to today include uh, a show uh, from ABC in the US called Modern Family. Uh, we've got a Ray Watch. Things you may have missed. Possibly with an ironic ending. Maybe. Ooh. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Is it cu- just ironic because we don't want to be daggy? And so if we call it ironic... Then, then that that well, gives maybe, it a, a hipster cachet. Well, maybe it's more just a twist ending in general. It's uh, a thing you may have missed, or have you? <laughs> or have you? <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Actually, actually, have you a, missed it? Have it's, you? It's it's actually got a twist beginning, doesn't it? It kind of does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Twist beginning, regular ending. Yeah. Still, we learn something about the world, and we go away better people. We do. We do. Uh, we've got some letters to box cutters. We've got, uh, if you were going to watch one thing this week, what would it be? It would be the things that we're going to talk about in that segment. <laughs> we've got, it's, it's a Come long on. title. We're like dictators. We're just forcing people. This is what you're watching, people. It's yeah. this. Well, how else are they going to know? Yeah. No, one, no one looks at the guides anymore. I only look at them when I have to choose the one thing to put on the list of the one thing I'm meant to be watching. You're not alone there, John Which Richards. in this case is the one thing we watched last year when we reviewed it. But still, yeah, anyway, go on, go on. <laughs> We've also got some pork. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the box cutters news. And now for the news. 
I really enjoyed that. That was great. That is the short version. No, no, it's not. We have no idea what that was, but it was great. No, it's not. The short version is the one we had last week on the show. You, you didn't get to hear it last yeah, week. Yeah, I did. Because I it did. was all done in post. I heard it you listened to it on the show. I, uh, yeah, I listened to it on the, on the podcast. The, anyway, that freaked me out a little bit. Curious. I thought no, we were that, already that, in that. John's segment later I, on. <laughs> <laughs> CBS uh, in the US have cancelled As the World Turns, uh, the last soap opera from Procter & Gamble. So uh, Procter & Gamble, huge, uh, huge company that actually makes, amongst other things, soap and, uh, and created soap operas or, or, you know, in, in the way that companies did, created soap operas for televisions so that they could sell their products. Is that true, though? Is that really where soap opera, the name, yeah. came from? The, the name came came from the types of products that were sold mm-hmm. dur- during the ads. But not necessarily as, Procter & Gamble, though, in such particular. Such as the Lux Radio Theatre. Mm. No, because I was wondering, because people were saying it was the Procter & Gamble one. Specifically, and I didn't know if that was a, if that was a, a truism, a truism or, or a negativism. Or a falsism. <laughs> or falsism. Um, uh, uh, it was a... But the Procter & Gamble... It's a false. It's a false. Procter & Gamble didn't come up with the concept of the soap company uh, sponsoring a, 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 a... An ongoing drama. drama. Yeah. No, but, but, but... It wasn't just they were sponsoring the airtime. It, it wasn't just that they were sponsoring the airtime. It's that they actually had a say in creating the show or in, in the, the creation of the show. Okay. Like Gilmore uh, Girls. Like like Johnson & Johnson had with Gilmore Girls. Exactly. Uh the uh, the the thing with uh, as the world turns is that it has been cancelled after fifty four years. Fifty four years. This article also mentioned earlier this, this year. This is a, we read this in the New York Times. New York Times. Yeah, the same article mentioned that um, uh, this, also this year, Guiding Light, which was a CBS daytime soap opera. These are all daytime soaps, we should say as well, because that's that's what sort of exists there. Um, had been on the air through radio and television for 72 years, and that was also cancelled this year. And they're basically saying that all these incredibly long-running shows are, are being knocked on the head because basically um, they're not they're not reading that well, and the people who watch them are very old, which is not really who they want to sell ads to. And I love this this little statement in the article. Uh, for the most part, soaps these days are watched only by older women. Every network soap now has a median viewer age over 50, and only General Hospital and ABC is under 53, which presumably means... 52, which I thought was very specific there, yeah, under 53. Under 53, the median age for As the World Turns was 57.8. That, see, that that's that's very old. And these, these are people who are already set in their ways, I'm guessing, have, uh, have yeah, existing purchasing patterns, and so advertising to them might not be as effective as that's it once was. I would be curious what, uh, what the demos on uh, the show Passions was, because that was... Surreal and had magic and had an evil dwarf doll. See, again, I think Passions was younger people and, and but uh, not enough of they had They had kind of hip funky bands playing on their Passions had an irony kind of viewer, didn't it? It had a, a people who were watching it, it even was so, though. So, so, so bad. Yeah, even though they knew it was bad, they were watching it sort of thing. And, and they were clearly trying to create well, as, as, as many ridiculous storylines as possible to keep those viewers. In, Although, but it didn't have a growing audience, I think. I haven't uh, actually seen an episode of As the World Turns, so perhaps it's not that awful compared to <laughs> regular soaps. But you wanted to bring this up, Josh, and I was just wondering what, because you were saying something about how long-running shows, you know, ending. What, what were you actually thinking? What was, what was, what was I, your I think, thought? I think it, it really marks uh, a point in, uh, in television time where uh, soap operas were, were more like the childhood of 
of television. They were very uh, naive, very innocent uh, kind of storytelling in, in that it was it was really just moving pictures in your house. Uh, the same stories would happen over and over and over again and plot lines didn't really matter. Uh, you might go through an entire one-hour episode, only move forward two minutes in, uh, in their day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, can't, we, we just don't have the capacity to, to watch that anymore. So, so viewers have uh, matured and television has had to mature with the, with the viewers. Uh, there, there are things that, as we grow up, we need to to leave behind. And I think television, after about sixty years, is uh, is is finally getting into its adolescence. And also, culture has changed because uh, when when uh, at the inception of this program, um, most women, most married women, would have been at home uh, doing their their house duties, uh, which was one of the reasons why they didn't have a lot of forward progression. So that uh, they could they could just dip in and out while they were putting on another load of washing oh, or doing the dishes or whatever. Low, and so right. so you could you could actually talk to somebody having not watched the show for a year and know exactly everybody who's there and, and what's going on from somebody who has been watching it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I also find it really interesting that these shows cost about $50 million a year to produce. $50 million a year. And that's so about two hundred thousand dollars an episode. I was, I was, yes, I couldn't work that out. That's well done, you. If that's right, I'm going with it. About a million dollars a week, yeah, five yeah, yeah. a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that's actually really cheap for an episode of television, especially in the really US. Really cheap. Yeah. Really, really cheap. And I, I think that's that's extraordinary. If they could make relevant storytelling for the same amount, uh, that would be that would just be extraordinary. Uh, at the moment, they don't seem to be able to. Uh, I think a lot of that is is actors' costs, uh, but I, I think that the we can still learn a lot from the soap opera. I think its time is done. Uh, the the people who uh, who enjoy it might only enjoy it out of irony. It just doesn't have a, a large enough audience to to sustain itself. Uh, but I still think we can learn a lot about making television. They made television every day. Uh, and, and and got out five one-hour episodes. I'm actually wondering if this is what we have to get back to because people keep saying you know that the uh, scripted one of the things about this article is that scripted television is just too expensive, and they've actually replaced it with a game show, which is costs half as much to make and is getting more viewers. I think yeah. Guiding Light was replaced with uh, Let's Make a Deal. Right. Yes. And uh, I think it's interesting when we've been looking at some of the the low budget stuff coming out of things like BBC. Four is it? Is that their cheapy one? Yeah, Dead Set and uh, Dead Set with E four and stuff out of it. Yeah, out of yeah. Channel Four's E four. Those ones seem so much more interesting. And if you look at the budgets for them, they are very cheap for that sort of programming. And I'm wondering if we we need to start getting back to that idea of the BBC style, you know, three cameras on a set to actually get good television rather than this obsession with having to spend millions of dollars to make stuff. But that's not something that the US... That's not a style that the US is, is going for. No, but I'm, well, but I'm... And it's not a style that, that we're going for in Australia, But either. I'm wondering if it should be. That's my, my, my point was more that, yeah, whether in Australia we've got so the point now of going on, everything has to be small and cheap, then maybe we need to start making that jump and going, well, maybe everything doesn't have to be naturalistic anymore. Maybe it's time to start going, let's do stuff that is really minimal. And if you look at Misfits, it is really minimal that it's, it's the same locations that's i think where they're saving mm. but soon a lot of money's you know uh, a lot of the money on these things is just saved on 
very, very minimal use of space and mm. mostly indoors and mostly like three rooms. Maybe we need to start doing that and going, but much bigger stories in scope, but told in a simpler way. I mean, I don't, I don't know with this. I was, wasn't sure whether I felt a bit sad actually that nothing can go on very long on TV anymore. It seems to me that everything has to be now seven years or less. And it was kind of nice that this show had had a, well, know, such I, a, I mean, a there, career. There are still shows that are going on for, for a, a long time. I, I think there are opportunities for shows to, to go on a long time. But at the same time, once your story's told, your story's told. I mean, that, uh, there was one character in uh, As the World Turns who was the longest-running, continuing character in television history. Uh, Nancy Hughes uh, was, uh, I think, uh, I think on f- for most of the f- for most of the run of the show, played uh, by the same actor, played by the same, same actor, actor, Helen Wagner. Uh, Which would be curious because the 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 soap world moves so slowly. She would have been aging. Quite dramatically fast well, they, um, compared to. I believe they leap forward every so often in those US daytime soaps because you know because they take place in less than real time, which is quite astonishing for television. Every so often they have to go. Now it's eight months later, oh. just because. It's, so what they did with uh, Desperate Housewives wasn't so out of the ordinary. No, there, there, there had been the yeah, there had been tradition for that in the past, I think, but not on the evening. We've program. burnt all our our, uh, our content. Uh, we need to. Wipe the slate clean and uh, then... But Desperate Housewives is a great example because look at how expensive Desperate Housewives is is to make. Look at the stories that are being told in Desperate Housewives. Does it need to be that expensive? It is largely uh, exposition-based. It, uh, it is largely interior conversations and uh, they're choosing to make it more expensive to Well, I guess it shoot. doesn't have to be, but we'll... Uh, the audiences actually settle for those lower production values that the the lesson budget uh, entails. I, I think if the story's good enough, then yes. Yeah, I think that is that is the question because if you look at European television now, an awful lot of it's just sort of variety game shows, and that is the worry with someone like us in Australia that eventually it'll be cheaper for us to buy all our product from the US, all scripted product, and we'll just have variety game shows. You know, for the local content. That's what that's what uh, the uh, free trade agreement's all about. Yeah. So the question comes eventually. I think if we really want to see our stuff, we might have to go. Well, we want to see it, but it'll be made in a cheaper way, and we have to decide what's more important: the story or the look. Yeah, and and I think uh, I think we'll settle on on the look. No, what the story? story. We're gonna we're gonna set, settle on the on the story and uh, and settle but for are, the, are look, the network's right? going to settle on the story. Uh, yeah, could, the networks are going to do whatever they're going to have to do because the, uh, otherwise they, they're going to become extinct. Otherwise, Australian storytelling is going to no, be replaced by people making their own stories, putting them on the internet and, uh, and getting stories out that way. Or uh, they're going to be replaced by uh, SBS, who seem to be the only, the only station at the moment who's making any Australian television drama worth Anything at all? They, yeah, they're really doing the stuff that's that's notable, aren't they? Thanks, Sean yeah. Brown. Well, really it's, good, it's, the one, it's the one thing Sean Brown's done well. I, I mean, yes, it's it's not within the original uh, charter of of SBS, but it is it is something that they're they're doing that is different to what all the other networks are doing. Now they're so, not having to shell out for uh, the the extraordinary uh, fee for Top Gear. Surely they'll be able to take the ads out and we'll be able to uh, fully enjoy. Proper TV, yeah. once again. You keep dreaming, properly. You keep dreaming. Can, can I mention then the Channel 9 and ABC have both put out their, their highlights for 2010? Yeah, but is please. There, is there time uh, to, to... Let me guess. Channel 9, uh, Two and a Half Men, 
Uh, <laughs> Nothing but two and a half moon. And t- two and a half Well, this, this is more than new programming. And today. This is new programming that's coming uh, on. One of these articles... New I, episodes of two and a half moon. One of the articles I did read uh, had Channel 9's lineup, including the... For 2010, including the 2012 London Olympics. And I thought, if they pull that off, that'll be a still to Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I totally watch that. Uh, 2009, not I mean, look, nothing really grabbed me. I mean, Top Gear, obviously, and Top Gear Australia. Top Gear UK and Australia. Now on Channel 9. I'm sick of both of them. Uh, underbelly. Uh, yet a new Underbelly. This is the Golden Mile. The real story of how Australia's most infamous playground turned into a deadly battlefield. 20 episodes of Hey Hey at Saturday. Did we mention that before? I, I don't or think have we I mentioned, blocked that from my I don't head? think we mentioned the number of episodes. 20. 20 specials. All in a row. No, no, not specials. Yeah, they're not specials. Saying, uh, so is that is that twenty twenty in a in a row? Twenty weeks pretty in much, a row? I think. Or is it is it? Are they going to stretch it They've out one a fortnight? Clear about it. And Daryl Summers wasn't down there for the launch of next year's uh, programming. Yeah. And is it going to be on, uh, on on Saturday? No, or is it Wednesday. Gonna, so on on Wednesday. Yep. Hey, hey, it's Saturday on yep. Wednesday. It's still yep. going to be called Hey, hey, it's Saturday. Yep. But it's going to be on Wednesday. Yep. It's going to be uh, half a year's worth. And there's twenty of them, but no one seems yeah to quite know exactly how they're playing them. Um. This one, uh, actually, as I was looking through the list, some of them just started something like, oh, parodies? Like, The Middle, Average Rules. Uh, Everybody loves uh, Pat- uh, Raymond's Patricia Heaton, brings her outrageously hilarious new family to television and a wickedly different observational series about modern life. Uh, I've had a look at uh, a couple of episodes of that. It's very Malcolm in the Middle. Okay. Uh, when you say Malcolm in the Middle, ask you mean, but without but, the jokes. Yeah, yeah. less funny. Yeah, uh, that's our review of the middle, by the way. That's it. Done. <laughs> New series about dating in the modern age. It was just the phrase, dating in the modern age. They had me going, really, that's nothing. You're nicked, um, which sounds a bit like crash bang. What a video. Uh, <laughs> s- send in the dogs, a new factual series that follows trained canines at the forefront of crime. Can They're- you imagine what the uh, the theme music is going to be for that? Who let the dogs out? Trained dogs at the forefront of crime. They should make that the next underbelly. Oh, they should also have a, you know, training uh, dogs uh, to be villains should, and then put them against each it should, it should, Well, that's, that's what, at the forefront of crime. Surely, that's uh, not, not crime fighting. Forefront of crime. At so the so forefront of crime. Oh, oh nice, nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, it should be called Rub My Underbelly. <laughs> hey. So, yeah, look, there's quite a bit. There's quite a few programs which are painting the other programs, like Big Share Intimate Stories as Clinically Obese and Overweight People Seek to Reinvent Themselves and Regain Their Former Selves. Mm, that sounds like another program I've heard of. Uh, who do you think you are? This is intriguing. There's an American version of Who Do You Think You Are now? The... Um Again, the SBS. SBS ah. has done the Australian and the UK ones. Yep, the UK. This yeah. is a uh, Hollywood one, which it features Sarah Jessica Parker, Susan uh, Sarandon, Lisa Kudrow, um, various others. That actually, I, I will watch. I, yeah, that's... I admit. So, uh, that's, who that's SBS well, uh, this, this year or Channel 9? That's Who's, on Channel 9. So right. This is, yeah, the Channel 9 thing includes a bunch of SBS's hits, which is... Channel 9 of, are clearly seeing SBS getting ahead of themselves and want to <laughs> take them down a couple of notches by stealing all their content. Um, but uh, where, well, where it, is that just, US It's just another, of, another, uh, another sign family. that, uh, that uh, Channel 9's... Uh, that, that SBS is doing, you know, something right. Who does Channel 9 think they are? Yeah. yeah. SBS? And then the ABC one, and I, I, I must say uh, hello to Vizbooks, who left the comment on our blog. Is that Vo- how you pronounce that? I, well, I'm guessing it's Voicebox, but I don't really know. Oh. I'm, just saying, I'm just saying Vizbooks. Vizbooks. I had Vizbooks with some uh, soy milk this morning. Vizbooks left a comment on the blog saying, oh, congratulations. It's too nutty for me. Congratulations, John. And I, I said, on what? And it's because <laughs> my show's on the list for channel, channel ABC's. 2010 programming. They hadn't told you about no, that? No, no. They actually hadn't told anybody. Um, it was, <laughs> that's, that's the ABC way. <laughs> it is. Well, it was intriguing because... Don't tell them what's on television. 
television. <laughs> because part of what the production company needs to get funding is a letter from the ABC saying, yes, the program's going to air. They haven't got that yet. Um, so it's interesting that they've now got a press release to, <laughs> to wave at its play. Oh, I probably shouldn't have told you that. Anyway, um, so uh, we're, we're, on, we're on the list. It's, it's intriguing, actually. Apparently the ABC traditionally puts a list out of what's going to air and also what's filming and sort of fudges it slightly. So, yeah, there's a lot more content than you might think. Uh, they, they also... Uh, networks do this all the time. Mm-hmm. Every year they'll go, all of this stuff is going to air next year. And then some of it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Pushing daisies. I'm looking at you, pushing daisies. Yeah, some of it just never appears. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, don't take this as gospel. Just take it as and some uh, of it's for the year after. Yeah. as well. But um, yeah, post- and some of it's yeah for 2012. Yeah, Pose Kitchen. Um, oh really? I, th- I thought you'd be thrilled. Yeah, F- forty episodes of that. They wouldn't uh, give her a, a commercial job on uh, the Ten Network or. John Nine say uh, is, maybe maybe with a name like that you'd be better off at SBS. It is odd though the ABC kind of picking up that off the back of MasterChef. It seems more of a yeah more you would think for commercial network. Thing called Sleuth One Hundred One, which uh, I've talked to someone who's actually one of the guests on. It's a new murder mystery game show with a comedic twist. Oh, it's Clue. Yeah, that's Clue. Well, I was just saying it's actually Who Done It, starring John Pertwee. Do you remember Who Done It from the seventies? It was a, a very much this, only with a panel rather than a, a single person. So like this, but more expensive. Do you remember Cluedo with Jane Badler? Uh, well, yeah. But the, but I, mean, who I was got, thinking the uh, but the who done Ma- it was twenty minutes. That, yes, that was that was that was, that was, that was yeah. Really, she was yeah, in yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Were you not here? <laughs> I, I never. Were you not here when we spoke <laughs> to Jane Badler? That was a long time ago. Hey, remember? It's, really? It's it's it's, it's I was so just, I was so lost embedded. In her, lost in her. Eyes. Remember so Bed of Roses? Because like everyone yes. else, I'd forgotten it ever existed. Yes. Yes. Series two and three. Right. That's the Carrie Armstrong one. Yeah. Apparently. Just, I, I, it, was, I, I, it was like a, a warm glass of milk before going to bed. Yeah, really, so, wasn't it? Sunday night nine o'clock. Wasn't I it think, like three years ago or something? Or it was just, just last year. Really? Maybe. Just, it's just, maybe it was longer. I think it was last year. Okay. Uh, with uh, East of Everything. Uh, so three. Tag teamed with that. Tell you a movie called X Ray about uh, Terry Hicks. It's actually, um, yeah, about, it's weird. It's about David Hicks, but it's actually about Terry Hicks trying to get justice for David Hicks rather than about David Hicks. X Ray, slightly more obvious. The reference to uh, the U.S. military's mm-hmm. uh, Camp X Ray nomenclature for uh, Guantanamo Bay. I guess the ABC oh. list is actually looking kind of interesting. There's stuff which, yeah, it could go either way. Like Rake is an eight-part uh, hour-long series uh, star- about autumn. About autumn, <laughs> starring and co-produced by Richard Brooks. Uh, He'll make it magic. The story of a criminal defence barrister as he defends the indefensible from bigamous to cannibals and everything in between. <sighs> That's I mean, it could be good. It might not be. It depends entirely on what kind of... It, re- it really does. What uh, take they're taking on that. Is Roxburgh playing Stuart Littlemore of uh, Latter Day? Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, Marie Hardy has a series called Like a Virgin, which could be good. Um, look, there's a bunch of us. And again, it's impossible to know whether, from, from the description, whether they'll be good or not. My absolute pick, though. Oh, and I should say, too, ABC2 is going to play Colbert Report. Um, ah. we, we did, though, just Colbert. They're not, not, not the Daily Show. Just, just Colbert Report. Just Robert. Colbert, which seems a little bit odd. You but know what that does? That fixes up their bias problem. <laughs> uh, are they going to be showing it daily? and uh, Both and, daily oh. and the weekend edition. Okay. Um, ABC2 has also got Breaking Bad, which is going to be interesting. Ah, that's good. It's a good um, show. Psychoville to one. But my absolute favourite, and this is from ABC3. Oh, so, so ABC2 is showing Psychoville. ABC1. ABC1 is showing Psychoville. Yeah. Look out uh, for that. ABC One also showing Outland, my series. ABC One. I've been told the snobbery now. I didn't know. Now you just go, it's ABC One. Do you know what time yet? Are you no, going to be the no, Wednesday night uh, no, lineup? I, I imagine that Psychoville is going to be Wednesday night. I didn't know it was all confirmed until I Jason. saw it you know, on TV tonight. So, yeah. 
I'm just writing it. They give me so money you can have your people it. get on the on the phone Fr- to their people. Friday night before Rage. Yeah, uh, after Rage. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, no, it's all pretty exciting. Randomly during Rage. But ABC Three, and this is the show. And if you're listening, to the producer of this, I so desperately want to write for this program. Jolly Rabbit. It's 52 episodes of 11 minutes long. Also, 11 minutes. Who the hell does an 11-minute program? That's great. That's insane. Life was all carrots and clover for Jolly Rabbit in his peaceful burrow until one night an evil pirate named Captain Squid stole his rabbit foot and his leg attached to it. Now Jolly's hopping mad and sailing the seven seas with his motley crew of punk rockers to find who stole his leg. Genius. Genius. I'm so watching Genius. Yeah. What was that called again? That is called Jolly Rabbit. That's coming to ABC3 in 2010. Oh, I can't wait. I the, can't wait for that. The the life they've got listed there, is that the uh, the US... No, uh, probably not. Cop probably ha- not. Having been locked up kind of thing? Because I'm sure on that was... A- on ABC. ...hearing somewhere else. Yeah, probably well. not. They you know, Breaking they Bad, did the though, so who knows? Well, yeah, uh, yeah but life, I'm glad they've got Breaking Bad because... Life the, is nowhere near as good as any of Screw those that ones. up. Well, that's true. Mm. That's true. And that is the Box Cutters News. Hi, this, this is Jane. I'm Andy Anderson. The fabulous Adam Richards. Television, Scott Brennan. With the lovely men. They're very exciting. Funny. Britney Spears. Gorgeous. I love them. Soylent Green is Box Cutters. Box Cutters. Box Cutters. At its pinnacle. Download the hell out of it. Oh, maybe that's not mine. Modern Family is a new show from uh, the ABC network. In America. In America. The U.S. of America, mm. and uh, it's uh, it's it's a half-hour sitcom, a s- single-camera half-hour sitcom, kind of pretending to be documentary style and kind of not, in a very uh, I- in a very weird way. The characters will do uh, interview pieces to camera, but the uh, otherwise the camera style and the the style of the show is not documentary. So it's I, uh, I disagree with you highly. There, do, do you? It's entirely documentary style. Really? I yeah, across the board. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's definitely the 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 non-interview stuff is filmed not only handheld but deliberately wobbly kind of look. I'm a documentary camera crew style. Yeah, and it's and, kind and of interesting. It just doesn't it's, feel like it's, it's, it doesn't feel like it feels more. Uh, more fly on the wall, more... Uh, but, but can I tell you exactly what it's like? Yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had uh, a number of different networks trying out a number of different things, trying to find the new Sex and the City, having finished up with Sex and the City. What they seem to be doing now is trying to find the new office, and, and they're all following yeah, that exact right. formula. It's pretty much the office in the way it's filmed. The difference is... But the, interesting the, the, the interview stuff's not... Yeah, the interview stuff's filmed on, I think, DG Beta as it, opposed to the handheld stuff, which looks the, like it's DV. That's the, the only the, thing I can really The tell. stuff that's... Uh, but but the stuff that's not... I, th- I think what makes The Office a little bit more, obviously, documentary style than Modern Family uh, are the looks to camera. Modern I'm, Family? I, yeah, I, I don't Modern, notice Modern Family it. does that. Maybe yes, I just... Yes, the, dad, the dad does it quite a bit. Maybe I just watch so much... The boy couple. Office and Parks and Recreation mm-hmm. that I uh, that that I'm just not noticing it anymore. No, it's it's very very right. much documentary stuff. Right. Yes. Well, the uh, the, the premise is uh, a, a brand new kind of family where uh, there's uh, the uh, the patriarch has remarried and uh, and has a uh, Colombian young wife, uh, half his age, uh, with uh, a ten year old son. But his children are grown up, and uh, and his daughter has her own family of three children and a husband. Uh, his son uh, is uh, gay, and uh, he and his gay partner have just adopted 
Baby. I, I, I switched the rigging bit off. I just didn't realize it vibrates as well. I did not know what that sound it's, was. It's a new film. That's what I, I, thought, yeah. I thought the roof was caving in. <laughs> uh, and they've just uh, adopted a, a baby from uh, somewhere in Asia and, uh, and have come home and surprised their family with it. Uh, I, I, I have to say, that, you know, that being the premise and going, oh... Modern Family and just and the title Modern Family, I just sounds all a little bit twee. Mm. I love this show. Okay. Mm-hmm. I I find it really, uh, really funny. The the patriarch is uh, Ed O'Neill, uh, formerly of uh, Married with Children and John from Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and uh, fantastic series that everybody's raved about. Ted Ted Bundy, isn't he? Is that the one? Al. Al, Al Bundy. Al Bundy, because Ted, Ted Bundy was the, was the, the serial, serial killer. killer. Always yeah. just get them mixed up. I know. So did they. Hilarious and terrifying. Uh, and uh, and so he, he plays the uh, the father-grandfather uh, in the uh, in the series. Uh, I I think the show is really funny. I think it works it works really well. The the family problems that they have are real family problems that uh, I think everyone can appreciate enjoy and and relate to and uh i was watching a, an episode the, the other night and just thinking you know how uh, i think it's nbc you know how nbc are going to make parenthood again as a tv series as yeah. a tv series second go how are they going to compete with this mm-hmm. because essentially it's it's so much like the film parenthood in its uh, in, in its approach to family living that uh, they've really kind of upstaged any attempt to make a, a TV series out of parenthood and succeed. Yeah. Not that they had to try too hard to do that. No. no. The, uh, the, uh, all the characters are, are quite likeable. They're all a little bit cringy. They're all uh, a, a little bit kind of uh, real but... Uh, What's what's that word when when something is is bigger than it's supposed to be? I've really just forgotten that word. Bigger, larger than life. Exaggerated. <laughs> just, just you know, their flaws are exaggerated just enough to uh, to have that comedy in them, but not so much that it's slapstick and we don't care. I think I actually I think the uh, the son-in-law. I think it's pro- probably also easier if we just speak about everybody in this show in relation to Ed O'Neill's character. Ted Bundy. To Ted Bundy. So, played by Ty Burrell. Yep. Uh, the the son-in-law is probably the most over-the-top uh, Dick Van Dyke of the uh, uh, That's of a the before my time. <laughs> really? It is. Before your time, mm-hmm. old man Cropley. Mm. Right. In the, in the, he's a lovable coffee now, chimney sweep. And, yeah. and he does look really familiar. I don't know why. Do you know, I, I From uh, Mary Poppins, you, you would have yeah. seen him. Not Dick <laughs> no, no, Van Dyke. I had the same Barrel. thing. And it was, the, whole, the whole show is sort of full of people who feel like they're vaguely familiar, but you're not really sure mm. why. And he in particular, I've looked him up and he's been in a bunch of stuff I've seen, but there's nothing I can particularly go, that's what I remember him from. Yes. Yeah. And he's a slightly like he's so familiar Carell-esque like you've watched kind of, him in a number of episodes. Yeah. But it felt to me like he should have been in, in a bunch of those Steve Carell films, but he hasn't as far we, as I can see. Which so. I think is also a, a, one of the, the great things about this show is that instantly 
you kind of feel like you know all of these mm. actors and characters. So I, 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 I mean, I didn't hate this by any means, and that's good. Um, but it was just that weird it's thing. It's a change. Of, well, it's a nice change. change. No, because the first four minutes, I remember up until the credits started, I was thinking, God, this is awful. <laughs> like, I was just thinking of going, this is going to be such a, a, a chore to well, get fact, through three episodes four, of Four, three quarters, four fifths of the first episode, it's not clear that they are all uh, members of the same family. No, I'm not actually, sure if yeah. you guys read up about the, the plot before, but I, no, I went I, in completely cold. I didn't, and I actually thought it was quite clever. That it starts off saying, here are three different sets of couples, and then kind I, of links them together. I accidentally watched episode two before uh, okay. watching episode but, one. So. But the weird thing I have is, see, I don't... I had a problem that there's a whole bunch of stuff in this that I found was... was so tired like I didn't find the characters terribly I mean I think they're really well played and and I actually really love like the Colombian wife is actually probably my favorite character in there because she's the most lively I think out of all but I kind of felt like I'd seen them all before I've seen them like before I'm so sick of the mockumentary and I really yeah I was going please it's been 15 years now can we say can we have a moratorium please on comedy mockumentary I've just think it's we've what happened 15 years ago it doesn't need it uh, Frontline and and the the Christopher Guest movies I think were the the start of it and because Spinal Tap was 25 years ago or something yeah but it was still special then it was still not yeah hadn't become normalized i think <laughs> but it's just that thing of and or or it, it wasn't uh doco normative as yeah, i like to doco normative. <laughs> yeah, yeah and there was just that thing of an awful lot of the plot lines you go oh it's looking at me this plot line oh like, the one involving the bike i found so tedious that it was just but then they would do something like and then something would happen which i, I would laugh out loud and find absolutely hilarious and it worked out that i think 70 percent of the show i found really tedious and 30 percent i found absolutely hilarious which is a great, was, that's a great hit rate no that's terrible because it was like because more than half of it i was waiting for it to be over and then i'd go oh that's great oh, no, compare it to, compare it to so much compare it to so much other uh, american network sitcom yeah how much? How much of it do you laugh well, at? Seventy percent. Well, I'm saying, well, I mean, but Thirty Rock, I would laugh uh, a lot more than, really? than half. Yeah, I mean, Thirty Rock, uh, I really let party down, um, and I kept thinking this could Not remind me how much I liked. Oh, I, I don't care where they're from, Josh. Well, just, they're television to me, and they just come to me through the magic of the pixies. But it, it it does it does make a difference because they go through a completely different development process. Okay. Well, yeah. As far as I mean, I'm just approaching it just cold as as TV. I don't really care where it comes from. And that's the thing is that, yeah, I, I, we've watched other comedies that I've absolutely hated. We've watched other comedies I've, I've liked a lot more than this. And this one I just found really weird, though, that the, the, the way the needle would go back and forth between that's a really great, well-done joke. Now we're back to some tedious stuff. And the, uh, the emotional bits at the end of each episode, I thought, would, again, done really well. And that was mm. surprising, that the, the, the kind of emotional beat at the end of each episode, there's like one, uh, very, very well done. And it was just that weird thing of going, I don't get this show at all. Like, I, I, I would watch it on a plane. I decided at the end it would be perfect for watching on a plane. If, so, you, if you have a plane, I recommend watching this comedy. So better than Green Eggs and Ham? Well, yeah. Yeah, I, I would watch it on a plane and I'd probably watch it on a train. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I, I agree. The, the setups are just traditional sitcom setups. Like we've, we've seen them time and time again. Mm-hmm. I don't think it needs the uh, the documentary style. I don't think it adds anything no, to the I, to the storytelling at all. That. Uh, it, unless it gives it some kind of context that I mean, I'd like to see someone do a, a mashup where they take out all of the uh, all of the interview bits, and uh, and if we think it's still documentary style after after they take those bits out, and if it makes any difference to to the show because there aren't great. Uh, there are not great jokes in those interview bits. There's, there's some, there's but, yeah, some but, but not, it's not, not enough, enough to justify. Yeah. Uh, 
and uh, and it's not like I, I mean it worked so well in Arrested Development with the voiceover because the voiceover supplied so many of the jokes. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a good enough reason. But also I just found so many of the plots were, were quite tired. Like, I just felt like, yeah, there, there was... It felt lazy in the kind of, what will the families do? And it's, you know, we've seen most of this before. And then on occasion, something else happened. Like, there's a lovely scene where the Colombian character takes uh, her step-granddaughter out to a shop. And yep. it's actually just a really lovely moment with these two characters who don't really... They're probably the, the most disparate characters in the show plonking them in a cafe and letting them talk to each other, I really enjoyed because that was, yeah, those are characters who won't hang out together normally. And, and so that and, was quite fun. And the young girl there is is like being a big teenage handful for her parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, the, this is kind of the first time in the series, I guess, that we see her satisfied and, and not just kind of lashing out at everybody around her. Yeah. One of the things I really like about it is that it doesn't play lines for laughs. It's not. It's not a kind of a show, which a lot of sitcoms, even one camera sitcoms, are are just like that. They just there's a beat. They're waiting for you to laugh, and then they're going to move on. Mm-hmm. This is just kind of laugh at the jokes or don't laugh at the jokes. But we're we're telling a story, and sure, you've probably seen it before, but we're telling it in in a touching way. And I'm wondering if this is something that we're moving towards in in television, where the uh, the uh, we're going to see a lot more of people connecting with each other. We're going to see a lot more of that uh, of that social interaction and people actually learning how to live together, uh, especially at a time when there's so much that we can do to stay apart from each other with, uh, you know, video games, computers, well, Facebook, all those things. And none of those things actually come into play in Modern Family. Well, there's texting is a bit of an ongoing joke yeah. about the, the teenage daughters constantly texting. But I, I must admit, by the third episode, when they were starting to put uh, characters together who hadn't been together, I was finding that more interesting. So I don't know whether it's a show that I would find more interesting if it goes on, because hopefully it'll, it'll burn through the more obvious plots and start doing some less expected stuff. And or, may, and or it'll burn out. In. Or, yeah, I don't know. But, but it was, yeah, it was kind of just a weird for me to go, yeah, really liked some of it, really didn't like some of it. I don't Mr. Cropley, you're, you're being quiet. What did you think? Very much liked it. Uh, periods where I would find stuff hilarious and be laughing well into the next scene. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the the stuff about uh, the kids keeping his culture and, and going to school and, and kind of that... that uh, which Change that's, that's in, in, the, in the Colombian wife, um, who sure let him, let him wear what he wants to wear, but he can't do this other thing. You've got to destroy that. Um, was really funny, and then and then kind of the callback essentially later on after he's got home from school and he's doing what she wouldn't allow him to do at school, uh, not wanting to give away anything there or anything <laughs> <laughs> with the pipes. I, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. I have no I idea because I didn't get that I'm episode. Just, I'm yeah. just thinking how completely obscured <laughs> those last five sentences from you were for people who have not seen episode six of Modern Family, um, which I think would be most people. <laughs> so so I, I would put it up there with uh, Family Guy. It, it has that similar... <laughs> Why do you have to spoil family, things? Family Guy has... has we had such a lovely kind of moment. We had a great moment where I, we were just getting along uh, and then he goes and spoils just, it, John. Just to explain it for, uh, for yeah, please. newer listeners... Uh, Family Guy just has these left field, completely unrelated bits that uh, I I find piss funny, um, and uh, they have vomiting competitions. Uh, like it's completely bizarre, but it's just 
bizarre and 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 the hilarity of that really has an effect on me i i get similar stuff from uh moments in modern family if you don't like family guy and uh i respect you more for that uh then i, I quite like family yeah guy, i know but, but i didn't like modern family let's, let's not you're not allowed to like family guy anymore it's become this real thing from you the the, the critter nazis who um which is like a critic at a nazi not like a critter and a nazi that'd be weird not like mm. a little mouse nazi or something like like I'm in, in much, spiegel's award-winning book i'm not mouse. very much like a nazi in any way <laughs> Anyway, it's, we've got this thing here. You're not allowed to like Family Guy anymore. And everyone's going, oh, family, oh we all hate Family Guy. It's, it's still popular. No, it's no, still no. Made, no, no. I, if, like you listen, if you listen back to the last 206 episodes of Box Cutters, you'll find Josh that I never, I never, <laughs> ever thought anyone should ever watch Family Guy ever in the history of forever. I haven't particularly found uh, an increase in incidents of the uh, Family Guy is not funny cops. Oh, really? Oh, I, I feel there has been in the last six months or so. It's Maybe it's just because you're meeting new people, John. Yeah. And I say screw them. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, the, the ones out there that uh, are just jumping on the bandwagon now who may not have thought about it, like Josh Canal here has um, and, and is, has made a, uh, a, an informed decision, the ones <laughs> jumping on the bandwagon just don't know what they're talking about. Thank you, thank you Brett. I, I have made an informed decision. I have sat down and tried to watch it many times. Uh, and every- Having said that, Cleveland, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, so what is it? Because to me... Uh, hang on, let's save this for pork. <laughs> okay. That's Modern Family. Uh, you can uh, pick it up, uh, you know, probably through Channel BitTorrent uh, if you can still find anywhere to get torrents from uh, or uh, wait for some uh, network in your local area to start playing it. Hello and welcome to Today Tonight. Soap and water. Hello and I'm Naomi Robson. Swearing. Brett... Some Ray Watch. Yes, uh, this is uh, over the last week. Uh, there's been there's been somewhat of a frenzy <clears throat> about uh, the the private domestic happenings for uh, the the world's greatest golfer ever. Some have called him uh, David Appleby, Tiger Woods. Mm, not ringing any bells. He's, he, Stuart Appleby. No. Oh, uh, is he that animated tiger from, from the cereal boxes? Oh, that's Tony that's the Tiger. Great. Oh, I love, I love his uh, sugared cereal. Yeah, was it Terry the Tiger? Really no, Who's the tiger in your Tony. tank? Was that, uh, Terry? that that? No, that's just Esso. Who's the paddle or pop tiger? Is he a tiger? The paddle pop tiger? No, he's a lion. So what oh, have, paddle pop lion? So what have Exxon done? Exxon? No, Tiger Woods, the world's greatest golfer we've ever known. Uh, oh, Nike spokesman. He 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 had a a, a, a low speed collision in his driveway, and uh, his his wife hurried down and uh, broke the window to to free him from his car. Was one of the stories there? I, 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 this okay. Anyway, on the Today Show, we're not yeah we're not Channel Nine's sure. Today Show on uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, they they happen to be going on and on and on and on and on about Tiger Woods. Mother-in-law, the mother of his wife, uh, mm. being taken away from his home on a stretcher. They had uh, reporters on the spot with the uh, ambulance in the background showing a, a, a far-off shot of the, the uh, paramedics wheeling some woman into the hospital. Um, and, and they just kept on going back to it every half hour, spending spending 15 minutes out of every half hour talking about freaking Tiger Woods. While... There had been major developments in the climate summit talks over in Copenhagen. Wonderful, wonderful. 
Channel 9's Today Show did not mention the word Copenhagen. Yeah, but Copenhagen's going to affect the whole world forever, and Tiger Woods is a golfer. Well, I I do wonder if there is uh, if there's some... no, I, 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 that's, that's Brett's point. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but this is, I'm not saying about Tiger Woods. I actually still, you know, him telling about about the the low speed collision and the risk. That's actually more of a story that I've actually heard about Tiger Woods. I keep hearing about the story about Tiger Woods rather than actually hearing what the hell the story was. And because I don't really care, people keep going, "Oh, Tiger Woods." I go, "Oh yeah." Well, you know, basically, basically, it's just tawdry gossip about, well, that's uh, about a care. sportsman's yeah, private I, life. Also, a golfer. He's a golfer, for God's sake. He's not an AFL footballer or something. He is, he, <laughs> yeah. he, he is uh, still, I mean, a, as far as uh, golfers go and, uh, and, and people who work at, their, at, at what they do, he's done that very well. He does what he does very mm. well. And uh, yes, he he had a low speed collision in his driveway. I know heaps of people who've you know but backed over the cat accidentally, or uh, or you know taken uh, a turn too quickly and, and knocked over their front fence. Heaps of people have low speed collisions in their driveways. Is this a metaphor? This is a metaphor. Yeah. No, it's not a no, metaphor. Right. I, literally, I, it's it literally low speed collisions in their driveway. Well, I don't know why that makes news in in well, any way wasn't right? an issue that you were well the sex fallout with from woman, from that was, was he that at the same time the fallout was uh, allegedly that his wife was chasing him out the door with golf clubs swinging it out the car because he'd been uh unfaithful uh, with a specific woman while he was uh touring here in melbourne and since then there have been many women who have come out and said uh yes uh, he was with me too but this thing who cares who really cares exactly it's who like, cares yeah you know. He's a golfer. The correct response really should have been, I hope it doesn't affect his golf game and just move on. I also don't like the, the and you know, this is maybe more my world than yours, the, the assumption that he and his wife have a monogamous relationship. I always find it generally the assumption that monogamous relationships are at play here. Like, we don't know. We don't know what the deal is between the two of them. We don't know if there's anything else. You know, it's not up to us. It's not our, it's not, nothing to us. No, it's, I find it quite mononormative. <laughs> yeah. So for uh, for the Today Show to completely ignore uh, the the happenings in Copenhagen, uh, whilst continuing on with more gossip, really shows the level that uh, that show operates. And uh, they try and pretend they're a newsy, type, current affairs type show. They're not. Yeah. Ray, watch to you. Hi, I'm really lucky to be the guest of these funny, gorgeous, sexy, hunky men. This is Jane Badler. You're listening to Box Cutters. John Richards, you've, you've come to us with uh, uh, things you may have missed. Things you may have missed. Things you may have missed and then have yep. presented to us on a platter yeah. one of the most famous television shows of all time. Of all time. Yes. Yes. Okay. You may have missed it. You may have missed it. It's only been around for 50 years. The Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone, yes, which started 50 years ago. Right. It's the 50th anniversary of Charlie. Happy birthday, birthday, Twilight Zone. Happy happy birthday. Yes. So you may have missed one of the most famous TV shows of all time. Right. Uh, Clearly, you haven't. So, uh, is that it? Is that the end of the... Well, there is actually... Look, there is is a bit more. um, Because the Twilight Zone has been... Has been of disgust of late. Um, we've discussed it on, on, on the Alan Institute. Um, also, because it is 50 years, there's been you know, great box sets coming out. Uh, it's been discussed about storytelling. The box recently came out, which was a film based on Button Button, which was an episode of the 80s. An excellent episode. Of the Twilight Zone. 
so, one of the few excellent episodes. And, and I went back to watch it again recently because, you know, I really liked the original and I wanted to see the 80s one. And boy, boy, is Button Button weird. I had remembered that being far more normal than it actually oh, is. Oh, no, it's really, it's, it's, it's like Tim Burton before Tim Burton. It's very strange. Anyway, so I went back to look at it. And, you know, there's, there's the original Twilight Zone from 59 to 64. Then you've got the, the film in the early 80s. You've got the, the remix, remake series in, in 86. And then 2002. What? Yes, the thing you may have missed is the fact that there was another series of the Twilight Zone in 2002. Aren't you thinking years ago? Aren't you thinking yeah. of freaks and geeks? No. No, th- so so you know, I'm presenting today things you may have missed. Twilight Zone brackets 2002. Wow. Because there was bizarrely uh, another series uh, yet another another remake and um I I actually I did random sampling with this basically. I just picked a whole bunch of stuff at random from that series and watched it and all up not bad really. Um, is it is it a remake cuz the the 1980s one was uh, pretty much all new stories. Pretty much. There, there is the strange thing again that like the 80s one, the 80s one did remake a, a few of the original stories, some of the minor ones. The the 2002 one again goes for that slight remake thing. Weirdly there is one episode that appears in all three versions. So uh, Dead Man's Shoes is one of the original se- uh, series. Uh, then it's Dead Woman's Shoes in the 80s. Now it's Dead Man's Glasses. But they're worn by a woman. In fact, Geelong's own Portia de Rossi appears oh. as the star in that episode. Nice. Real name, please. <laughs> I, I always forget a real name. What is it? I've never Mrs. Mrs. Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> no. So, um, it's definitely not Portia. And it, it is actually interesting because it's... It went to air as, as one-hour episodes with two half-hour stories in them because the, Twi- the original Twilight Zone had one series of one hour and realized it didn't work. They had to be shorter stories. Um, it's not bad, but the interesting thing watching it, which I was, I was reminded of, was and I, I think this was Mark Scott Zachary who wrote about the 80s version. I could be wrong. But he was talking about the fact that um, the original series, the interesting about the original series is that we talk about showrunners now and it's usually the writer who controls the program. And, of course, Rod Serling was doing that. Like, Rod Serling was the writer who was also the producer and the on-star, on, on-screen star of the well, show, the he, only... He, he, wasn't, he wasn't on screen to start with. No, he was, he was, he was on, on ear to yes. start with. Yes, and then I think by series two, he was there in person. And so... And then, and then hilariously, uh, he, he would just... Uh, I think it's... Uh, uh, what is th- that episode where, uh, where, where the plane goes back in time? Uh, yep. Nightmare at... Oh, no, it's not... No, it's not, no, uh, Flight 33 will not return yeah, yeah. or something. Oh, anyway, they're all called uh, much the same. Where, where he just appears in the cabin. Yeah. Just, well, just this is, walks This out. is one of the fun things. And look, and if, you, if, you are, if you haven't seen The Twilight Zone, we should say the original series is still incredibly watchable. Probably, I think, the oldest television you can still watch unironically. Like, I think you can actually watch it for genuine enjoyment. It's really well and shot. And still get the thrill. Of and you can still... Yeah, some of the storytelling is great. And some the of the thought process is that they prompt. Yeah. Some of, some of them still duds, but, you know, but some of them are really well done. I, I rewatched. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a good life, which is one where Billy Mummy plays the, the little kid. Who can, uh, yes, who can... Yes, and him. Um... Who can control people and stuff. And it is which, the most amazing piece of television. The acting in it is superb. Everyone's playing this tightly controlled hysteria, which is just fascinating to watch. And I think could only come out of uh, a theatrical background. And even, I think, those days of rehearsal, because you probably couldn't get that now. When no one rehearses, you actually just film. Yep. That would have had to, I think, come out of a, out of a kind of combined, the actors working together to find the style mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it's really amazing. But um, the other thing is that because... So the 80s one was criticised by saying, in the original, things happen, these weird things happen to people, but there's a very moral background to it, and I mean that in a kind of more humanist 
way not, not a right wing crazy person way and, and, and it was Rod Serling Rod Serling was, had this kind of you know he, he wanted the little guy to win and he wanted the bad guy to be punished and if there were episodes where that didn't happen if a good guy was, was punished that was a tragedy and was always shown as being a complete tragedy and by the 80s it turns into the people who had grown up watching the Twilight Zone had taken the wrong part of it and just thought it was weird stories with wacky twist endings and I think they kind of had lost a bit of that humanity the 2002 version, again, suffers from that. And I think all those Twilight Zone-inspired shows suffer from people not taking that so from was, it. So was, sorry. You, you was go. the Twilight Zone the movie of the 80s connected with that, that it, series? No, it was... It was uh, Steven Spielberg uh, wanted to uh, pay homage to the his favourite show. Yeah, and originally they all meant to be remakes of the original. And I think in the end... Two, two of them were four are certainly the strongest one which is um, well there's a version well, of It's a Good Life again yeah It's a Good Life and uh, and also Nightmare at 20,000 20, Feet by feet. Dr. George Miller which is great which was with the uh, the thing on the wing yeah yeah and uh, and uh, Spielberg's one which was uh, Kick the Can uh, oh that the, was a remake yeah that was that was from the original yeah remakes. yeah okay so that's three so three of them and it was just the the one um, uh, well, the one that killed Vic Morrow, which which I can't remember what the segment was called. Anyway, so, Set in Vietnam. So 2002, look, I, I watched it randomly, and yeah, some of them are remakes. Curiously, though, what they do that the 80s one didn't do, some are sequels, in that um, they actually do uh, It's a Good Life. They do It's Still a Good Life, in which Billy Moomy is now an adult. Oh. Um, his mother, who was played by an incredibly famous person, which threw me in the original, I've just forgotten her name. And Margaret. Let's say Margaret. It's not right, but yeah. I mean, she plays his mother again in the remake, and his, it's all about the fact that Billy Moomy's character now has a daughter who's played by Billy Moomy's real daughter. Now, um, sadly, not a terribly good episode, but oh. it was interesting. And they also did a remake of The Monsters of Dew on Maple Street, which in the original is... And we should say almost all of these have been parodied by The Simpsons. Yep. But The Monsters of Dew on Maple Street is the one in which people think there, there are aliens attacking them. Maybe they're, they're amongst us, and the whole thing's a sort of yeah, a metaphor for communism and the fear of communism. Um, the new one, The Monsters Are On Maple Street, is a is a comment about terrorism, and I thought it would be terrible, and was really good. I was really impressed. Oh, so, really? So it's all a comment in which they actually think there are terrorists. There, there are no... Yeah, and basically it's, it's quite upfront. Oh, that person's probably a terrorist, and it... Does it still in, have the same horrible ending? No, that, it has a different ending, which okay. which works really well. And, uh, and this being made in 2002, you know, just after September 11, would have been written, I presume, shortly after September 11. It's a really interesting comment on that time right. uh, and the casting yeah there, there's some famous people but mostly it's a bit of a who, you know, where are they now um, Andrew McCarthy um, there's an episode with uh, oh, Elizabeth Berkeley bless her Aww. Jeremy Piven I guess after but before um, and uh, <laughs> Lou, Lou Diamond Phillips is in one which when I read this here, I went bumba. I spent the whole episode of that one going who is that guy <laughs> who is that oh it's Lou Diamond Phillips it's La Bamba also you get to see Usher and Method Man in the dramatic roles but the one thing I haven't I mentioned. I think most of them have been uh, guest ghosts and ghost whisperer. <laughs> Method, Method Man does quite a bit of acting. Actually. Oh no, I mean, yeah, and there's, there's nothing wrong with Usher or Method Man acting. Good on you. The one thing I didn't mention, the Rod Serling are like in this. The '80s show just had a voiceover guy. This one, they've they've attempted to have an on an on screen because you know, the big thing of, uh, with Rod Serling is it became a big gag amongst the makers to find how they could put him into the story. So this great thing right. where he'd appear in these weird places. It's hilarious. And he actually, his stamp on the show, I think it's one of the reasons why the show was so well remembered, because you had one element that was always there and he became like this almost spooky godlike figure who, you know, just appeared. Like a puppet master. Like a puppet master. So, so uh, uh, can I guess? If, yeah. uh, so 2002, who do you 2002, think the, the contemporary Rod Serling is? If I was, if I was going to uh, re- replace... Right. 
Rod's no. That's great, but no. Sadly, no. Uh, I would uh, two thousand and two. Yeah, it's I the would, obvious choice. Uh, I would. I would get. Uh, uh, Peter Graves is probably dead by then. Uh, I would get. Oh, you know what? I I can't actually think of anyone who isn't a newsreader. Who I would <laughs> who could uh, have that same gravitas? Who, yeah, Charlie Sheen. Martin Sheen, I mean. Oh, he, oh yeah, he'd, Martin he'd, Sheen he'd would be great. Be great. He'd be Martin great. Sheen would be excellent. Yeah, he was busy, so they got Forrest Whitaker. What? Now, I, they, they I, got who? I really like Forrest Whitaker in a whole bunch of stuff, but not this. He's really bad, and he's actually one of the worst things in the thing, because also they, they've blue-screened him in, which is already a bit uh-huh. dodgy. And he kind of has this shuffling gait, like he's just wandered in on his way to the shops kind of thing. He's like, still in his boxes and dressing gown. <laughs> well, he's got a sort of slightly baggy suit and often the, the hands in the pocket and he walks around, hey, hey, it's the twins and weird stuff. Yeah. See, see if, he, if he was playing, uh, is it Ghost Dog, the, the ninja? <laughs> that yeah, would yeah. be good. That, be, yeah. uh, you know, I think, I think uh, Dean Kane. With Dean Kane? Superman. Who's yeah. Superman? Really? Uh, I think he would... Well, because he, he already does uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Oh, he, yeah. he already has that kind of role. Yeah, anyway, I did bring in an audio uh, file because I wanted to show you Forrest Whitaker in action. Because he's, he's not the... Uh, Forrest Whitaker's not the most charismatic it's, person in the world. Like, he's a, a great actor, yeah, but, but he's not, a blank slate otherwise. Yeah, so, what I've got is I've got this audio file, and this is... Um, because they did remake it, so it's a... It's a good life. What I've got is a bit of Rod Serling to, to let you hear what he was like, followed by a bit of Forrest Whitaker, sort of continuing the same thing. So you get an idea of the, you know, the different approaches the two of them would take. This, as you may recognize, is a map of the United States. And there's a little town there called Peaksville. On a given morning not too long ago, the rest of the world disappeared and Peaksville was left all alone. Its inhabitants were never sure whether the world was destroyed and only Peaksville left untouched or whether the village had somehow been taken away. They were, on the other hand, sure of one thing, the cause. A monster had arrived in the village. Forty years ago, Rod Serling introduced us to a monster. A monster so powerful he was able to make the world disappear just by using his mind. For the residents of Peaksville, Ohio, a nightmare had begun. The monster knew their every thought, could feel their every emotion, and when they made him angry, which was often, he would banish them into a cornfield from which there was no return. And the most frightening thing about this monster was that he was only six years old. Quite a twist, huh? Bet you didn't see that one coming. Good morning. And <laughs> <laughs> a bit from The Simpsons on, on the end there. Um, um, so so I, I could, I'm pretty sure I could hear Forrest Whitaker on the other end of the line, phoning <laughs> that one in. <laughs> it is It is so kind of like laid back that you're going, you're meant to be a bit spooky for us. But I think that thing... That as, as, I think, are they relying on his uh, weird eye for spookiness? <laughs> <laughs> and so, and, and I was thinking, well, who would be, you know, who would be good? I mean, who's another great black actor who'd be great doing the Rod Serling part? And Denzel. Well, yeah. Morgan or, Freeman. Uh, yeah. And maybe James Earl Jones. So I've brought in a clip of James Earl Jones from the 1994 Twilight Zone special called... Uh, Rod Serling's Lost Classics. and uh, There are films in the mind of every human being. Films that replay the past and on rare occasions films that reveal the future warning us in no uncertain terms that every minute is precious and we must always live our lives to the fullest. Of course these films would only be seen if they are developed and projected from the Twilight Zone. Oh, that's that's given me a bit of a boner. Oh, really? Because I think I think that doesn't work either. Really? really, but there you go. I think that works so much better than Forrest Whitaker, and it, I think the the reason is that 
uh, it's enunciation. Forrest Whitaker does not enunciate. He doesn't. Th- there is no separation between his words. Rod Serling had that very definite uh, separation between the words when when he spoke, which makes me think maybe David Schwimmer. Yeah. Oh, they should they should just get John Hamm to do it as Don Draper because I, I actually the more I watched the original oh. title, the more I went, hey, Don Draper's just Rod Serling. Isn't I was like, oh, really Don like- Draper. Oh, I love Don <laughs> Draper. Ooh, I was actually thinking, I uh, wish Don Draper would come over to my house. <laughs> I can't bring his. Uh, oh, it's uh, Will Arnett, Job from uh, Arrested Development. Oh, he would also do do yes. do it great, especially yes. if he was inside a car that always called me Michael. <laughs> so basically, two thousand two Twilight Zone. It's not appalling. It's not amazing. I think the thing with The Twilight Zone that made it amazing was Rod Serling and the fact that it was The Twilight Zone and it was 1959 to 1964. And I think every time someone tries to do yet another one of the versions of these, and apparently uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is currently producing a, uh, a film version of The Twilight Zone for potential release in 2011, I think. Which uh, Ch- Channel 9 will be bringing to you in 2008. <laughs> uh, 2002's Twilight Zone, is it available on uh, on the DVD? Yes, I believe there is a DVD. There was only one season, and there's there's actually quite a number of episodes, about 30 or 40 odd. Actually, it's, it's a very long season. Um, oh, well, which would make sense, wouldn't it, if there were two stories in every... Yeah, okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, okay, so um, yes, it is available on DVD, so you can get your, your Lou Diamond Phillip fix. Diamond Postman, I have a letter for you. No, I'm, I'm just the postman, the postman, the postman. Oh, the quick, sh- wasn't yeah, it? yeah, oh, nice one, yeah. nice one. Uh, the uh, letters to box cutters. We've uh, we've had a couple of letters come in. I look at my instructions. They say, "See letters page." I've done that. Oh, have you? From Damon Zanis. Uh, hey, guys. Have you ever reviewed the New Zealand drama comedy Outrageous Fortune starring Grant Bowler? It's one of the best shows currently on TV, in my opinion. If you haven't already reviewed it, it would be good to hear what you think. Is it still on TV? Because that was that was the show uh, yeah, yeah, they the, encountered as Australian content uh, it, it with started the writers the, back It started then. the whole Canal versus Hardy stout. And there was uh, also... Canal versus... Uh, Australian writers being able to eat. Well, this is, this is actually the weird thing with that, that show. I don't think that show's ever been they viewed in this country. Chops. <laughs> but the, the show's never had the chance to be viewed as as itself. It's always been in, endemic of something else here. Like I, it's I always representing it. something. Because then there was also that weird thing where, was it 9 and 10 were playing uh, series 1 and 2 at the same time? Yes. Yeah, I, I really yeah. liked it. It was going the, uh, to air at the same hour on two channels. I like One the Shelley Long, Big really? yeah. version. Yeah, not the movie. Not the movie. No, um, I didn't realise that it was on both networks. I, I'm pretty sure uh, back before you uh, did mm-hmm. your did your re thingy uh, trick, doctor, um, that uh, Ross was here uh, and we spoke about it uh, after we'd spoken about the writing issue. I quite enjoyed it, but it was so poorly uh, programmed. As, as far as uh, the time, and I'm pretty sure I was watching it on Channel 10. Well, this was the... Uh, Randomly at 1, 1.30. Yeah, one of, one of the channels, I can't remember which way around it was, one of them bought season two, and then when they put it to air, the other one who was playing it started repeating season one at the same time kind to like try and just uh, stuff it up. Flight yeah. of the Concords. Yeah. It's very... Uh, it, the Wire. I actually really like Outrageous Fortune. I, I think it's a great show. I wish we were making more of that. Because the thing is, I think we often try and... Because people who... Because who, it, it got quite a sledging in the Green Guide quite a, for a quite yeah, and yeah it, it did. And it kept being, well, it's not as good as Underbelly. And it was like, it's not meant to be Underbelly. It's packed to the rafters. And if you compare it to packed to the rafters, you go, it's actually a lot more interesting. Like, mm. it's just so much more interesting. It's meant to be a mainstream well, So I'm surprised anybody w- had watched it 
to write letters to the Green Guide. No, letters, the reviewers. The, the reviewers and the Green Guide were, were always, yeah, whereas I think it's really but fun. I really like the actors. It came out a couple of years before Underbelly, didn't it? The first Underbelly? Uh, not the second time around, I think. Yeah, um, and it's it's up to season four or something, I think, in New Zealand. Because it's a huge program there. It's, it's a massive you know, hit. I, I think I'm going to have to sit down and, and watch it again. Because I, I had that same, oh, I'm watching it on real television. It's got ads in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the you know Whatever the program was before I it ran. it so I could... Ran late, and uh, and so it started late. So I missed the few first minutes of the of the episode. Well, that was the thing. I think that uh, be- because you have to to uh, program your recorder to take into account uh, those vagaries of the programming. That mm. uh, it was actually on the end of something else I'd recorded, and that was how I got into it. Oh. I didn't go looking for it. I I didn't have the the preconceptions, particularly even though we'd spoken about the writing stuff about it. Um, like it came in midway between ads. Yeah. So I didn't even know what I was looking at. But just on a, on a simple Kiwi versus Australian television, I think they do much more interesting TV than we do. You know, I don't know. I mean, they they, oh, they presumably oh, do a lot that's less. that's a big call, John Richards. No, they do. It's far more interesting. Far more. You look at, you know, the, the, the premise of their shows are so much more. They're not trying to do yet another cop show, yet another, you know. They do. Sweeping generalisation. They, they'll do that. Let's do the Maori themed Twilight <laughs> Zone what type program. What do you mean sweeping you know? generalisation? You... You you list Ooh. you list one one Australian show that has had a series that fits John's description just now. How did you describe it? I don't know. I wasn't not another cop Much show. Yeah, <laughs> no, not another. Not another these, all their shows have a distinct country practice point to them. Yeah, they, they're not just. <laughs> They make one soap, <laughs> and they've got the one. What's funny? I'm serious. Yeah, but you're talking about a show from 1984. Well, all science before they screwed that up. But that was still just another. That's, st- that's still just a drama. procedure. Yeah, it's like, like the, the Kiwi stuff has always got a really weird twist to it, whereas our stuff is like very straightforward. Flats. Like foot rot flats, and also I do love Grant Bowler, and I do want him to come and live at my house. Do you? I do. Do you, do you like uh, so? Do you, do you like outrageous fortune, Grant Bowler? Do you like uh, the, uh, the the mole, Grant Bowler? Or do you like medivac, Grant Bowler? Uh, I like outrageous uh, fortune, Grant Bowler most. Then Medivac Grant Bowler, who's oh. quite close to Outrageous Fortune Grant Bowler. Mm. Then there's a bit of a gap to the mole Grant Bowler. You right, didn't mention yeah. Lost Grant Lost, Bowler. Gra- Lost Grant oh, Bowler Lost would, Grant would Bowler. be, he's, he's beneath Medivac Grant Bowler, but above the mole Grant Bowler. Does Grant Bowler have hair in Outrageous Fortune? A little, but not. He's got facial hair, see, so he gets bonus points, whereas he's, he's, he's got a shaved head in Medivac. So that's right. why, you know. Right, and then if I could combine the two, or have both at the same time, really and then too, too much about. hair in. Uh, <laughs> he's a bit like a short Kiwi Gary Sweet. What <laughs> is he short? He, he seems the, the short. Rest, the rest of it sort of follows. I just can't yeah, work yeah I, it's he the seems short that got me. Yeah. With everybody around him. Maybe they just cast tall people next to him. I don't know. In, Possibly in Lost, he was often. Above everybody else on the top deck of the boat. Yeah, but he didn't have so to bend down when he was stilts? going through the hatches, so so you could tell how short he was. <laughs> he was the one that didn't have to duck his head. Join us next week for Grant Bowler Watch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and in, uh, in in my ongoing conversation, uh, which is like one of those old style chess games where someone uh, you know sends a letter, makes a move, mm-hmm. and then they post another letter back. Oh, yeah. make, make another yep. Me and David Sidwell have been having this conversation for several weeks About now. About the EPG? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he says, uh, just listening to your chat on Fetch TV, the topic is interesting and confusing due to lack of hard evidence. I'd assumed that f- the Fetch box was hybrid. It had an aerial socket and Ethernet port. So it recorded free-to-air HDTV via the aerial, not the net, and did the streaming on-demand stuff 
from their servers or your own media yes, files. Yes, David wrote in to crush my dreams. Thank you, David. Yes, yeah. that's saying that the box will still need a working aerial, therefore no that's, free-to-air TV for me. But that's just his, his understanding. What's, what he's saying is mm-hmm. this is what he thought it was, what he seemed to understand from it. Clearly, we understood something else from it, which I think uh, the point he's making is... No one actually knows. Is no one actually knows. And how surprising that uh, new technology associated with television uh, is grey area as far as the details go. Uh, TiVo with... Uh, you can watch your YouTube things on it. Oh, only if you pay a, a, a fee in the tens of dollars. Oh, and, uh, That might YouTube be about 20 of those. Uh, as, as Channel 7 were building up to the launch of TiVo, uh, where, where the digital signal is getting turned off. Like now, now we've got the ads, but for, for three years we've been talking about the digital signal being turned off. And it wasn't until the last month that they're saying, okay, so in Northern Victoria, it's off next year. And then uh, the rest of Victoria goes uh, 2011, and then Melbourne and a couple of other bits go 2013. You can send your letters to Boxcutters to hooray at boxcutters.net. Why can't they just be clear about these things? I am. Hooray no, at Boxcutters. It's H-O-O-R-A-Y at boxcutters.net. Uh, but clearly, anything you send to us, we'll, we'll get through probably at some stage. Uh, but yes, hooray at boxcutters.net or on mm-hmm. the contact us or talk to us link on the blog. Happy children. Hey, in Canada. Laughing in the street. In Canada. Uh, the Twilight Zone. Tragic. Yes. Medivac is called Adrenaline Junkies. I know. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. So I'm just, just saying if you're listening in Canada and you want to go and check out some, some Grant uh, Bowler Medivac action, you'll need to check out Grant Bowler Adrenaline, Adrenaline Junkies. Adrenaline yeah. Right. Right. Uh, it only had one series, didn't it? Medivac? Or it had a couple? I think it had a couple. Channel 7 show. Because they, they, oh, I was 10. They, um, they, they dropped uh, What's His Face in the first series. Topsy. No. Grant Bowler? No. Keep going. Uh, George Cabanillas? He, he was considered the famous one at the time. And, and they got rid of him about halfway through. Oh, it's going to annoy Gary me. Gary Sweet. No. Terry Donovan. No. But, but that's getting closer. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. I think, right. I, I think there's, some, there's some vague kind of, you know, I've got a patrol boat vibe in my head, but I can't remember why. Anyway. Uh, uh, oh, uh, that, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that guy. <laughs> anyway, if you're watching one thing, Josh Kinnell. Oh, you know what I would be watching? What would you be watching? Well, you know, it's no secret, or it should be no secret to the Box Cutters family, that I am a big fan of John Clark and his character Fred Dagg. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is. Who we haven't seen for some time. Fred Dagg or John Clark? Fred Dagg. Fred Dagg. Yeah. Uh, Fred Dagg used to do... Uh, Fred Dagg was pretty much his breakout of New Zealand character, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I remember as a, as a young chap uh, being in, in the car with my mum, she would be listening to 3LO in the morning and uh, they would have a Fred Dagg segment once, once a week where he would explain the world uh, the, the way he saw it. Uh, and, uh, and I just I remember thinking he was hilarious. Didn't understand it- half the things he mm. said. It was all very fast. Was it? Absolutely hilarious. Was it those segments that always open up with, yeah, g'day? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, which Red Simons now does uh, opening his breakfast show on LO. Mm. 774. The Dag Sea Scrolls is a documentary about John Clark and Fred Dag. Uh, that's going to be on ABC One this Sunday, the 20th of December. Uh, 
on uh, I don't have a time. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd watch the time. hell you've, out of that. Uh, you have copied that from the Ice TV guide, haven't you? Because uh, yes. the times that uh, they list those on aren't in the same column. Not in the, so yeah, when you, you have to go back. When you select everything, yes, you don't and, get the and time. And add the time in because, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we, we, I'll, get, I'll we, get you the time. We love the Ice TV guide because that's where I went and picked out the episode of John Adams, which is airing on SBS, which we we raved about quite some time ago. Now I can't remember when we when did we look at that. That was a while ago. Uh, I was feeling it could even be maybe almost a year ago. But yeah, um, and and that is playing. I think Sundays, Mr. Cropper, you Sunday have night, nine thirty p.m. on SBS One uh, and uh, and SBS HD. I, I did notice last week because that, that was one of my uh, my possible selections for last week's uh, one thing. Uh, that that wasn't the first episode, so so they may be halfway this through. This is the I series. think episode three. Or, uh, I'm guessing from the descriptions on Nice TV. Yeah. And for me, something for the late night viewers, eleven thirty Tuesday night. Uh, on the seven channel, on, on cha- channel seven, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not seven two, right? Yeah, not their third uh, digital thing. Uh, it's always only in Philadelphia, oh. which uh, it's it's such an understated little comedy show. Uh, I was going to say Robert De Niro, uh, uh, Dean DeVito. Uh, is uh, a character in there, I think, has from the outset uh, been involved in producing that series. It's very um, watchable, isn't it? It's watchable. Exceptionally, uh, and and exceptionally wrong at times, mm-hmm. but it's funny in the way that uh, it does that. And, and you yeah, know, kind of absurd the way that they generally kind of, with a lot of their, their uh, plots, end up in two teams trying to do, do something better than the others. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah. So De- DeVito only came on on board in the second series of, uh, of it's second or awesome. third maybe yeah, yeah but oh. I was watching it back before he was in there because yeah I think he's a producer can I mention too just on, on seven two there because we were mocking the fact that it's just a really weird name for a channel very bad, seven, bad name. seven two bad name. Um, one of the one of the listeners let me know that um, that the interesting thing though that makes it slightly less crap as a name is that it is actually channel seventy two yes so it's almost oh. an instruction for how to press the buttons on your remote to find it if you don't want to go scrolling. oh you guys hadn't picked up on that no. Uh, I know it's, that. Not, and that, it's not Channel Seventy Two on Foxtel, so oh, okay. Well, and that goes not number nine anything on on my box. Well, Go apparently on the standard one is is nine zero. They were telling me which ninety. Oh, so which it's like a go- G. And oh. then, see, and the minute you tell this stuff, you go, "That's not quite so crap as I originally thought it was." Mine's like three six two or something. And that means nothing. I know yeah, exactly. Nothing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, over the, we should be talking about this in pork, shouldn't we? Yeah, uh, yeah I'll just uh, let you know six ten p.m. So ten what past six on ABC One. Six ten p.m. Is that is that channel? That's 10s? on Sunday. No, 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 that's that's time. Is that channel seven? That's a time. You, you want. That's, no, no, that's the Dag C scrolls for those who are just joining us. On it's a ten past six. It's not a channel. Then. No, it's not a channel. Not a channel. It's a time. Okay. Ten past six. Show. ABC One this Sunday. It's funny. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters, pod, cast, done. Pork is on the table. Why don't why, why don't you like the Cleveland show? This is what I don't understand because the Cleveland show is uh, to me uh, just just exactly the same show as American Dad and Family no, Guy. Absolutely. Well, American Dad's always been a different beast, uh, but the Cleveland show, given that How? it's a spin-off character show from Family Guy, 
it should have a, a similar uh, motivation behind it, but it's really, really different uh, in the way that it presents it. Having said that, this is not the time for uh, doing a, re- a review, not just because it's in pork, but I haven't yet watched three episodes. No, no, but I, but I want to know why. But, but, but you said you said I don't. You said the Cleveland Show just doesn't fit. Well, to me, I've I watched the start of this, the Cleveland this, Show and it just seemed like exactly the same piece of crap that I've seen. No, 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 no. There's, Seth there's, a, there's a lot more uh, kind of design behind it. There's this whole feel vibe about kind of seventies uh, black disco type stuff where everybody's wearing platforms and flares. Oh, and, it's a bit like the Jeffersons a, or something. Is that the idea they're going for like a black exploitation kind of thing? Because there were a lot of those sitcoms in the seventies. A lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rather than good times, good times. Rather than a, a middle America, here's a bit of everything kind of thing, which you get with Family Guy. Like it, it's. But Cleveland, but the world Cleveland lives in is the Family Guy world. So why aren't they in the same world? That's, I don't understand. Cleveland has talking animals, though, doesn't it? Oh, mind you, Family, family Guy's got Guy a dog. Does. Yeah. No, no, isn't that what American, American some Dad? Some of the neighbours are, next door, some the neighbors are yeah. talks. I actually like yeah. American Dad. Hey, you're even a talking more horse. Oh my god, a black guy. man. Yeah. See, it's, it doesn't feel good, does it? <laughs> that was a line in the first episode. <laughs> anyway, right. So that's uh, that's that's why you don't like the Cleveland Show. It's, uh, I find it yeah, interesting because because I would have thought it's got you a like a really different feel. You like one, like them all. Hey, no, I, I got another bit no, of pork for no. you. Yes. Family Guy is deeper than that. Received by the magic of SMS. Remember how Adam C., Adam Christou, came in to talk about uh, porn uh, adaptations of TV shows? Yes. Or porn parodies? Apparently, the, uh, I've been informed the latest episode of 30 Rock to go to air involves some porn actors who are doing a porn parody of The Girly Show, and the actors are the same ones from the 30 Rock porn <laughs> oh, parody. Oh, that's hilarious. Which is just... Just, yeah, your mind is blown. That's yeah. I have to say, this season of 30 Rock has been excellent. Yeah. <laughs> that is just so bizarrely referential, though, isn't it? Self-referential. That's just, yeah, that's weird. It's, it's been great. I also want to say uh, Parks and Recreation, uh, this this second season has been really good as well. Uh, if you didn't get on board that when we first reviewed it, I think, uh, I think it's definitely worth another look. And that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 207. I want to say thanks to everyone, especially everyone who uh, who keeps... Uh, hitting that subscribe button on, uh, on on the website and giving us a little bit of money to help us keep going. Is, it, there, is there somebody? Ah, oh, 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 the donate button. The donate button. Oh, Sorry. you said subscribe. And Sorry. I, was confused. I meant donate. I would say hello to Murray as well. You're Murray Alistair yeah. in, in South Australia. Apparently he's bought me a book. Oh, really? Because I put this desperate Bless. begging list up on, on, on my website as I just, you know, I, I said originally it was form of prostitution, but David Ashton pointed out it's actually begging because I'm not giving anything back. <laughs> so, um, yes, and, and he has apparently bought me a copy of Terry Nation's Survivor novel, which I, Survivor's novel, which I'm, I'm thrilled, I'm absolutely thrilled. Ah, excellent. Thank you, Murray. Well, good on, good on you, Murray. And thanks, uh, yeah, to, to all the listeners who have, uh, who have donated. Uh, it's a, a big help, and uh, if you want to do the same, just click on one of those donate buttons that are on the right-hand side of the boxcutters.net website. So I thought uh, originally you were talking about somebody skewing our subscription figures in iTunes, uh, one person that kept is, on is subscribing. Is that a bad thing? I don't know. Somehow. No, this, uh, I, I don't know. Did they know. close that loophole? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They closed that uh, pretty much three weeks after someone found it. Oh, yeah, they acted quickly. Three weeks. It was Dignation, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Uh, Press the subscribe button in iTunes. Hmm. Uh, it it might be an easier way for you to listen if you so choose. You'll get 200 episodes of an amazing show and someone you don't know will die. No, that's not how it works. It's not like button, button. It's not like button, button. Someone who you don't know. 
I, now I wish that episode was called The Curious Case of Button Button. <laughs> <laughs> Until next week. Such, my, an, such an ethical quandary. I already I started the end bit. Sorry. Right. <laughs> Until next week. My name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Boxcutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this podcast pretty much each and every week. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you're in the Melbourne metro area. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto the iTunes Music Store or anywhere else you find us and leave a review. It will help other people find Boxcutters and then they can enjoy it too. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or via SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458-CUTTER. So I wonder if people turn off now that they know that oh, we're just going to get something dumb said at the end of the show. I wonder if they turn off during the... If they're going to do that, they turn off at the beginning. Or just get a complete <laughs> tease. That, uh, oh, what was that thing that Kevin Bacon was in? And uh, we, we never actually say, hello, man. And Pete Smith comes in and uh, interrupts <laughs> us all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that might annoy people a little bit? Hello, man. It was only a week of, of uh, delayed gratification. I just, I just think those things where we just don't end. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.